everybody. So today's special guest is Siobhan Sarna, who's here to tell you her story with SIBO and why she's written book, why she's doing her seventh summit now. She is a home shopping network um, host. She is not coming from the health space, but she is certainly turning herself into quite the expert here in the health space. And this is explaining what SIBO is, how to deal with SIBO, how to manage SIBO, and also the underlying causes. And so this is a very different type podcast than we typically have for you today. And you'll see if you get to the end, um, both of us have some aha moments here towards the end. So I'm really looking forward to you enjoying this podcast today. It's definitely a different one. Please do comment. Your comments really help me understand what you guys are liking and not liking. And we will see you next time on The Beat. Enjoy today with our guest, Siobhan Sar from the Home Shopping Network and the space of SIBO, SIBO SOS. We'll see you on the next Beats. So welcome back to The Beats with Kelly Kennedy, and I'm very excited to have one of my newest and closest quickly friends, which is Siobhan Sarna is here, and she's just written a book about SIBO. It's been published. She's got a lot of things going on. She's had a summit. She's got more summits coming on. But one of the reasons I wanted to have Siobhan in today is because she comes from a different space than the health space. You know, many of the people that we've interviewed on this podcast have been practitioners and doctors and dentists and we have yet to delve into uh the people that have utilized this work and and we're going to have another show which is three of our clients at true wellness but siobhan and i just met a few months ago and truly it was like sisters reconnected i felt like and and it's not many people i say i love you two pretty quickly and i've already told her i love her multiple times <laughs> and you'll see why she's a bright spot of energy she's a wonderful blessed woman who is here to share your blessings, but she was diagnosed long time ago with this horrendous thing called SIBO. I'm sure many of you have heard about, and we're going to ask her to talk about that. But because of who she is in her life, she is on Home Shopping Network for over two decades. She's a huge star there. She's been successful in a couple different categories. She's now as a guest host in the fashion category. Correct me if any of that is wrong, because I'm not reading any of this. This is purely from me knowing her. You've definitely given me a promotion. I love it. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and she, you know, because of that, she had resources, she had knowledge and access to stuff that maybe the common person that doesn't have access to. And what's great about Siobhan is she's made that now accessible to everybody. That's been her, I would say her plight, her passionate part of that is that realizing that and now giving that to everybody else. So thank you for spending your time with us today. Thank and you. thank you for being a guest on our podcast at The Beats, Siobhan. Thank you. Yeah, baby. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. There's the book. What? Here's the there's book. It's called, it's called Healing SIBO. And there's a picture of the intestines superimposed on a balloon because SIBO gives you gas. I thought that was funny. <laughs> so basically, SIBO, just what it is, in case you're like, huh? Like, I used to think it was irritable bowel syndrome just misspelled. In a way, it is because SIBO is IBS, IBS is SIBO. Let me rephrase that in that SIBO is the number one underlying cause of IBS. IBS is a diagnosis of exclusion. You're like, you don't have Crohn's, you don't have uh, IBD, which would be terrible. These are very serious conditions. 
you probably have IBS because I don't know what else you have. And here, take this, you know, laxative, take this fiber, have an antidepressant, go exercise. So, uh, yeah, that's not going to really help. Okay, I'm just telling you that right now. And, and you suffered with this not for a decade. You no, no, but since I was five. Since she was five. Since I was five years old. Thank you for pointing that out. Yes, it has. So um, basically, here are the symptoms. Let me give you the name of it. It's small intestine bacterial overgrowth, SIBO. And it's when the microbiome is disrupted, and, but in not the usual way. It's when bacteria from the large intestine gets into the small intestine and doesn't leave. And therefore, it overgrows, and thus the name small intestine bacterial overgrowth. Let me give you a couple of the symptoms. Bloating constipation, diarrhea, alternating constipation and diarrhea, uh, exhaustion, uh, rosacea, restless leg syndrome. Some people think it leads to infertility, which I think is very interesting. Um, just the list goes on and on. Now, I got to tell you this, is that SIBO mimics other things like parasites. Yes, I know we're in America and that doesn't matter. And it also mimics candida overgrowth. Some of the symptoms can uh, mimic ovarian issues, including serious ones. So you really should look into it and also don't normalize it because it's not normal to constantly be bloated and have these alternating bowel patterns or being so constipated you're not going every day. Okay, how could you get it? Some of the underlying causes, Kelly, are endometriosis and food poisoning and um, adhesions, adhesions and internal scar, like you've been kicked in the belly by a horse, you fell off, you, a lot of falling can happen, traumatic brain injury, does it mean that you've had a concussion and you were bleeding from the ear? It can therefore lead though to miscommunication between the gut and the brain through the vagus nerve. So there's all these ways that you can potentially have SIBO. SIBO is caused by something else and then it causes other things. Okay, I wanna to talk to you quickly about the hope but if you do have SIBO, there are treatments and there's a way to prevent relapse. If you've ever had food poisoning, this is really important. If you've ever had food poisoning, the food poisoning was resolved, but you were never quite the same. 10% of the people that get food poisoning, which is a ton, uh, will get SIBO. So that's a huge amount of people. And of that 30% of those people will have it resolved after one round of treatment. Other people who maybe have mold, maybe have Lyme, maybe they had Epstein-Barr virus when they were little, they, okay, I'll speak for myself, can have a much more difficult time resolving it. However, you can manage it and you can be 100% healthier and better managing an untreated chronic condition than leaving it unattended. So kind of a hopeful message. There's you know, a roadmap you can follow that's in the book and it's on my website, SIBOSOS.com. And we have this great Facebook group with 18,000 people who are there supporting each other. And it ruled my life for a long time and I didn't know what it was. And then I got a little bit better. And then I you know, thought it was normal. I was in college, I lived in a sorority house. I realized that I was definitely different than everybody else in a variety of ways. And I um, proceeded to work at HSN for 20 years, mold in the building. That's my personal opinion. And um, I got worse and worse and really wasn't doing well, you know, for quite a while there, last like four years. And now with Skype and everything, I'm not in the building as much. So it's been interesting. I've been getting even better. But if you have it, 
you can be underweight, you can be overweight. And part of the thing is that the, the bacteria in the small intestine can eat your nutrition. So you can end up becoming malnourished, which is another really interesting aspect of SIBO. So I just want to back up and kind of uh, please do iterate a little bit for those. Yeah. So SIBO is not necessarily the re it, it's the, it's the number one cause for a lot of IBS and a lot of symptoms, but it has its own causes, which is right. usually in, in, so it's a diagnosis of intestinal, small intestine overgrowth. Now your small intestines comes before your large intestines. And after you eat your food, it goes down to your stomach. And then from your stomach, it goes down into your small intestines after the liver ingests or throws in some enzymes. Okay. The small intestines is where you have Peyer's patches, which kick out lymphatic cells and the microphylli, which help you absorb food. Hence why... Siobhan and I became such good friends because she started doing a lymph summit. And I was like, somebody told me, Dr. Schaffner said somebody was doing a lymph summit. And I was like, wait, why don't I think about a lymph summit? That's brilliant. <laughs> Who's doing the lymph summit? And next thing I know, she calls me and we are like fast friends because you cannot correct long-term SIBO, which so many people with chronic illness, this is just one of the many diagnoses that they have. Oh, you have Crohn's, you have IBS, you have fibromyalgia, you have Lyme disease, you have Epstein-Barr virus, you have chronic fatigue syndrome, and you have SIBO, and you have SIBO, right. and you have SIBO, and you have SIBO, right? Right. And so it's many reasons. Never do we get sick for one reason. You know, some people have food poisoning. Some people have, like she's saying, an injury to the gut where the fascia probably gets twisted or torn and tight. Which what food poisoning does the same thing. I've had food poisoning. Oh. It's a wrench to your stomach. You feel like you've been kicked in the stomach. It's hard. You did it when you were a young kid. I was a 20 year old when I got food poisoning. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. That is poisoning. It's, it's called poisoning for a reason. For a reason. Yeah. For a reason. Yeah. And then yes, often people are not the same for a long time. And now how do they treat this in allopathic medicine? So you've walked in and out of medical doctors, yeah. allopathic germ theory, medical doctors for many, many years with yep. the symptoms of constipation on and off, loose bowel on and off, joint pain. What other symptoms did you deal with? Oh my gosh, my hair Love fell out. Hair. Like not all of it, but a ton of it. Um, oh gosh, just you know, uh, brain fog to the point of where I was, stuttering. I couldn't, it wasn't chronic, but the brain fog was, but at some point my brain fog was so bad, I could not speak. Mm -hmm. And I literally like could not say words. And it was only one day of that severity. I was a lot of lead up to that. And it scared me. It was on a weekend. Thank God I didn't have to go to work that day. And I was able to sleep it off and it sort of dissipated. Um, but I mean, I had normalized it, Kelly. So I didn't even go to a gastroenterologist until about, I don't know, six was uh, six years ago. Wow. So I was just living with it. Like they'd say, like, oh, do you go to the bathroom? Do you poop regularly? Like, yeah. Right. I mean, like, you know, it wasn't so bad. I was also like just coping with it. I had other things going on. I didn't want to stop. I also tend to be very cynical about a lot of things to be honest. So like, I was like, I'm not going to go to a doctor. They're not, and how many people can, can relate to the statement? I don't want to go to a doctor. They're not going to tell me something I don't already know. Yeah. 
especially if you're like into health hacking and you know you read a lot and you know you've been into health food for a really long time that was one of the biggest mistakes i made because well i did go to the gastroenterologist the first time and he didn't know more than i knew um the second one i went to who's in the book my medical detective my digestive detective dr michael shulman out of Largo, florida bless you sir who spent two hours with me on a first appointment that's how amazing he is and he did know a lot more than i did <laughs> he wanted to see that first SIBO breath test that i took that had been written the word positive crossed out and the word negative was written and then i didn't ever see that report until he insisted on seeing it we looked at it together and i almost cried in his office because there it was it was positive we lost 18 months to a false diagnosis to a false negative I got retested. So, so what is the test? I'm curious how that happens because I'm sure a lot of people listening that's happened to. Was that a mistake at the lab? Was that this make it? It was doctors? a mistake at the lab at a big uh, University of South Florida lab. It's 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 really quite emerging. Like they don't typically teach it to have a SIBO breath test machine in your office even to this day, is incredibly uh, like forward and advanced. Yeah, like most people don't. Very so this place had one. The person who was there didn't know how to read it. Fine. So bottom line is a SIBO breath test. I really pronounce breath because it sounds like breast. So a SIBO breath test is when you fast for 12. Well, actually, you have a special diet for 12 hours. After that, you fast for 12 hours. You drink lactulose liquid, which is a substrate, and it's sugar that your body doesn't absorb, but the bacteria in your small intestine love. And then you breathe into test tubes every 20 minutes for three hours. It's called a SIBO breath test. And there are a couple of labs I adore. One is Aerodiagnostics out of Massachusetts. The other is Gemelli Labs. And they have one that tests for all three of the uh, gas types that you can have with SIBO. Because with SIBO, you can have hydrogen, hydrogen uh, or you can have hydrogen sulfide, which is the newest one they've been able to test for, or you can have methane producers. Think about cows, methane farting out the methane, right? So these little microbes and archaea in your small intestine, if you have them, can be doing that. And that's what leads to the bloating. Now, you get tested, you're like, oh my gosh, it's positive. I have this many parts per million of uh, these bacteria in my small intestine. What do you do? Okay, and by the way, if you get a negative one, a negative breath test, excuse me, you need to test for parasites and candida because if you don't have uh, SIBO, it may be one of those other things because they're really, really identical in terms of symptoms. So there are three major treatments. One is antibiotics. And there are two that are the most go-to. These are the most studied. One, it's called rifaximin, which is actually what you would take if you had traveler's diarrhea. And interestingly and miraculously, it stays in the small intestine. So you can do multiple rounds without it eradicating your large intestine microbiome. Huge. It, that's if you have hydrogen producing. If you have methane producing, you pair that rifaximin with neomycin, which is a broad spectrum antibiotic and can nuke your large intestine. So keep that in mind. You pair them up and you may have to do them over again. After your first round, you should retest to see how much your bacterial load came down and then even do another round, which is highly unusual when it comes to antibiotics, right? We're used to taking that first round. I'm well, call me in the morning, you know, that kind of thing. So then you have to take a prokinetic to prevent relapse. I'm going to pull this all together, I promise. Two other types of treatment you can do 
The other is called the elemental diet, which is really the most effective, but the most difficult. And it is a liquid diet made up of amino acids that originally was designed for feeding tubes. It's disgusting. It tasted like vomit for years. And that's why people didn't want to do it as well, because it's freaking disgusting. But they've now made formulations that taste good. Dr. Michael Ruscio has a good tasting one. Um, Integrative Therapeutics has a good tasting one. So those are alternatives. You do it from 14 to 17 days. You have to make sure you're getting enough calories. How does this work? It feeds you. It doesn't feed the small intestine. So you absorb it so quickly because it's literally like pre-digested that it doesn't get a chance to get to the bacteria in the small intestine and feed them. So they die from starvation. The third thing you can do is herbal antimicrobials. Olive, um, oil of oregano, Alimax or Alimed, which is allicin, which is the active ingredient in garlic, um, candy backed in AR, candy backed in BR. These are the herbal formulations. And those usually take a month, whereas the antibiotics take about two weeks per round. So you have to perhaps do multiple rounds. So that's why after you do a round, you test, see how you did. Oh. Elemental diet, knocked it down. Now I only have like probably one more round to do. Or, oh gosh, I didn't make very much progress, but a little bit. So I know I have SIBO, I know it's impacting it. Why don't I try something else? So it's nice that you have three options to sort of spin the plate. Speaking of plates, I do want to make a statement and that is diet only controls the symptoms, but man, it works well. A low fermentation diet is what most people find relief for symptoms with SIBO. It doesn't cure it it manages the symptoms. And in the book, there's Dr. Allison Seebecker, who's my main colleague in all these projects, um, created the SIBO-specific food guide, combining a bunch of different um, anti or low fermentation carbohydrates into a chart. And so- And she's NDLAC that wrote your foreword? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I recognize that name. So I, I, was, I loved the fact that she was an ND and an LAC. So I was like, oh, that's the best of both worlds as far as I'm concerned. Like a good friend of mine is that same diagnosis too. And yeah. it's, they understand meridians and chakras and everything, but they also understand the gut and the lymphatics and all of that component to that. And the low fermentation is just broad stroke that if you could for, I, for a lot of people, because I sure. think so many people eat raw food and think it's so good for them. So can we talk about a fermentation diet for a moment? Yeah. So listen, if you're going to do a lot of raw foods, I'm a vegetarian. The book is vegetarian. You can always add your own protein. It's much harder to get SIBO under control, symptoms under control with vegetables. So I made like the most difficult case scenario delicious. Um, and then I'm like, want to eat chicken you slap that on there you're fine on that you know risotto or whatever it is because as a vegetarian it was really much harder i'm not saying you have to be a vegetarian i'm just saying there's a baseline okay so the thing is is that um fermentation happens because the bacteria ferment your food think of a microbrewery think of beer you know all that fermentation that happens if you eat carbohydrates that are less easily fermented you reduce your symptoms of the bloating, et cetera. So what's a fermentable food? Very easily, it would be like, well, garlic and onions are a kind of carbohydrate that really can trigger SIBO symptoms. Um, apple a day keeps a doctor away. But let me tell you, I ate a lot of apples, I felt terrible. You don't wanna eat apples if you have uh, SIBO. But you are trying to, interestingly enough, expand your diet as quickly as possible because you do want to maintain the diversity of the microbiome. 
So it is a freaking part-time job project. I'm telling you. That, so, so Kelly, you were saying that you know I had all these resources available to me. What I really had was my superhero power, my superpower, which is persistence. My husband was getting his CPA at the time of when I was really, you know, trying to figure this all out. And so for the first time since the 1980s, I had a little time on my hands because he was like studying and I was in the office in the kitchen and I was just like, Dr. Google, boom, 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 beating the crap out of my computer. Like, ah, where's the information? And I go to the acupuncturist. I went to the Ayurvedic physician. I went to the um, guy who gave me the shots for the cortisone shots for my fibro. I got rolfed a bazillion times. I mean, you name it. My fascia work, hydrocolon therapy, yes, acupuncture, the reflexology, chiropractic. Yes, she's done all of that. I, I've done it all, thousands and thousands of dollars. And sure, a lot of it did help me feel better and get me through the week. However, I'm trying to get to the root cause here and try to fix it. And I didn't even know what I had. So we find out what I had. I still did some of those therapies to make me feel better and get through it. I did the SIBO specific food guide, which is what Dr. Seebecker created. And I got an appointment with her. I stalked her website, right? So here's a world-renowned SIBO expert. She was on hiatus when I first like found her. And her website, SIBOinfo.com, is gold for anyone who is trying to figure this out as well. And I finally got an appointment with her. And this is all me just like following my intuition, being persistent. I was probably stalking her website for a month. When is she coming back online? When is she coming? So then I got in there and I like booked an appointment every month for like the next six months. And in the beginning, I did it like every other week. So here's the resources I had. Persistence. I had a, such, such discomfort that it prompted motivation. So I really used it as a tool to get me the next level. I also did a That's lot of praying. need to say, because we say all the ways that the the pain of change because change is pain change yeah. is painful Ugh. but the pain of change has to be less than the pain of not changing then and only then will people change so you're not changing anything about what was going on was motivating you to make some changes because yeah. not doing anything was just getting worse and worse and becoming yes. more, more painful yeah that's very good that's very good yeah so I would take my notes to these doctor's appointments, all these appointments, and everyone wanted to know, well, what have you been doing? How are you doing? What's in the notebook? And my spiritual teacher, Linda Bennett, was like, you know, you have to write a book about this. And then all these doctors are like, you know, you have to write a book about this. I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it. So there I am, like my fourth or fifth appointment with Allison, Dr. C. Becker, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to do a summit on SIBO, will you be on it? I was so nervous. It was so cute. I was so nervous. She's like, not only will I be on it, I will help you. I will introduce you to all my colleagues. Now in Portland, Oregon, there's this cache of SIBO specialists. They teach it at the uh, Natural Health University there. They are all friends. They all share information. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, like I lucked out with this. And uh, so she introduced me, but I had really the intention of writing a book, right? I started writing the book. I still have the notes and everything, and I used it as an outline for this book, but it's a lot harder for me to write a book than do a talking summit and interview people because that's what I've been doing for 20 years, years. So we go, I go to Portland, Oregon, and I hire a wedding videographer, just a side story, to do the video. And that was a big mistake. So I interviewed like 12 people, Kelly. Got the video, spent a lot of money, 
schlepped all over that Portland area to doctor's offices and yeah you know, just, yeah had to call all of them and say I'm coming back with my own videographer we have to redo it you forgot yeah. to record or something I had to record it all over again oh Lord have mercy because it was not a pro it just wasn't good he's a great guy love him the guy who did it originally wedding if i was getting married in portland i'd hire him for my wedding but i would not hire him for summit work a professional summit yeah, yeah right so my old boyfriend who's friends with me and my husband still uh who's a videographer and a movie maker came wow. with us to portland Oregon. that's great that's great and of course he's amazing and everyone loved him and he loved everyone and then when i had to go by myself because my husband couldn't come miles and i would like stay at airbnbs together we call it camp sebo he'd be in one room i'd be in the other dr seebecker would come sometimes she was like adorable so anyway uh we had to retape it everyone was amazing they were totally generous with their time they sat with me again and retaped it and it was like magnificent it was a beautiful summit it's been one of my favorites i've ever done and i'm, I'm working on my seventh one so bottom line is i took all that information and put it in this book is what i'm getting at but since then i did the SIBO sos summit one SIBO s summit two SIBO sos um well digestion sos rescue and relief from ibs SIBO and leaky gut i did the microbiome rescue summit i'm working on the lymphatic rescue summit with you i'm working on a liver gallbladder rescue summit and then also a biological dentistry summit because I love summits. I was, I was, you know, doing summits in terms of participating in them and as a patient purchasing them. And I, I was so excited when I first saw this model, you get to watch it for free for a week. And then if you want to buy it and get the transcripts, you can, but you don't have to, it's awesome. It's amazing. And it's cheap compared to, you know, all this information. The book is 20 bucks. I'm telling you, you want a lot for a little, that's a great place to start. Anyway, you, what you do is you do this breath test, you find out if you have it, you treat in the three ways that I said it, you stay on this low fermentation diet, and then you need to make sure you don't, once you get a negative SIBO breath test, you need to make sure you don't relapse. How do you do that? By taking a prokinetic. You see, when you, the whole underlying cause of SIBO, remember it's caused by something else and it causes other things, but there's a mechanism in the small intestine called the MMC, migrating motor complex, which is this sweeping wave, very fragile, very micro sweeping wave of debris out of the small intestine, like food particles. If that's not working, that bacteria can go in there and eat all that, and that's when it overgrows. If your MMC is working fine, you're not gonna get SIBO, okay? If your endometriosis is pulling on your small intestine, even if you have a good mi migrating motor complex, but if literally the pipes are moved so that it can't totally get that sweeping motion going, you could get SIBO from that. If you have an adhesion, a scar from a cesarean or the kick of the horse into the belly, that's then bound up some of your small intestine and pulling it in a direction and the migrating motor complex can't sweep it out, that can lead to SIBO as well. How so is not the lymph and the fascia doing this? Like how? How are we not talk like that's what we're talking about really is you're talking about that undulation that that what that lymph capillary does is it pulls it in all from the interstitial space and flushes it out and if there's a fascial tension it doesn't allow that to happen and that's why we had to meet right okay so the interstitial cells of cahal i don't know the backstory on why it's called that 
are in the lining of the small intestine. And when those are impacted, your migrating motor complex won't work. The food poisoning thing is big because so many millions of people have food poisoning around the world, billions, right? So what happens is the antibodies from that food poisoning go in and through molecular mimicry, confuse the interstitial cells of Cajal, it's a mouthful, and the migrating motor complex doesn't work. So it is about the communication and the mechanism of this micro sweeping of the small intestine when that malfunctions, for whatever reason, you can get SIBO. And SIBO leads to malnutrition, weight gain, weight loss, rosacea, well, restless leg. In the small intestine, which is going to lead to malabsorption everywhere in the right. body and toxic buildup. Right. And, and how do you spell Cajal? Is it C or A? K? It, it's C A? I see C. It's a C. It's a C A H L. H A L. Girl, you'll have to look that one up. I will. It's so interesting. I want to talk to Desiree as a song about it too, because I think yeah. that, you know, what, what you're really bringing to term is the fact that, and, and I understand SIBO at some level, never to that extent. And Genevieve Greco, who works with me, she's like a SIBO queen, we call her. She's like, she's like a PhD in food and nutrition and gut awesome. health. She's working awesome. on her PhD. She's got her master's, but she's working on her PhD and, and those. And it's, like I love for you and Genevieve to talk to when you come, but this, the, what I'm realizing as we're talking is that the, in, we always know that it's never one thing that causes one thing. It's always multi-causational. We know that. Right. What you're saying to me, it sounds exactly like if the lymph and the fascia get caught up in the small intestines, then you're going to get this SIBO. And, and for me, the way to unwind it is open up that fascia so that you are preventing the underlying cause, which is gonna allow the communication, which is why people need a prokinetic because there is no communication because the fascia is the communicator. And that's what a prokinetic is, right? It's some kind of ionic communicator of the body. I don't know what a prokinetic is. I don't, so like ginger is a prokinetic, motegrity is a prokinetic, okay. um, zelnorm, which is tagacerod is a prokinetic. These are some prescriptions. Modal pro is a natural one. It, it moves things along. Pro it starts peristalsis. It creates peristalsis. It creates the movement of it's the It's kind gut. of oversimplifying it, but you could yeah. say that. Yeah, it, it's starting the There's motion. a very specific set of mechanisms that it that it makes right. it move. So, but it's not, it doesn't cause a bowel movement. So these prokinetics, it's just, it's the- well, it's, it's not peristalsis. So it's more these undulations that we're talking about, which is sweeping the motions. flow, the, the sweeping motions, which, you know, if you look at the blind-ended capillary, it's opening up and it's creating this pull from the interstitial spaces to pull all the debris into the lymph vessels to take it down to the lymph node so the lymph node can identify it. Cool. That's cool. And this is why we're bringing our two worlds together. That's right. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. And, so and can... well, this is how a podcast really works, right? I mean, first of all, yeah. she said about the summits is true. If you want tons of content from huge experts for the least amount of dollars. It's the summits, whatever you want to learn about, whether it's accounting or something in the health space, trust me, there's a summit for it. Yeah. And, and I would purchase them if it's something you're really interested in owning the information for, because that way you don't have it just for the week. You have it for the months and months and months, because most of them are seven to eight hours of content per day for seven to 10 days. 
do the yep. math. That's 80 hours of content. I can barely keep up with four to five podcasts a week. I don't know where you're coming up with the 80 hours of content that you can, unless oh. you take the week off and that's what you're doing, right? Outside of that, we have to listen to it like when we get time between everything yeah. that we're doing. So, so listen to it like a podcast, but then also you're getting searchable transcripts. You're usually getting bonuses. And even if you're not going to listen to all 50 of them right away, you know, you circle back, you learn something about your diagnoses, then you listen to it again. You'll constantly pick up. I mean, the commitment to ongoing learning requires repetition. So that that's, you know, great to be able to replay them. You download them into your phone. Like I said, you can watch them, whatever, play them in the background while you're cleaning. I mean... <laughs> And part of our thing is we want you to learn how your body works and it's not up to the person in the white coat whose office you're walking into to figure it out for you. Right. So let's talk about that. So over the six years you were diagnosed with SIBO and then you went to the chiropractor, the acupuncturist, you know, the allopathic specialist and the myofascial specialist and the Ralfer and the hydrocolon therapist. Like you've gone to all these experts with you as the one taking all the information. Let's dive into that for a moment. Would you unpack that? So because I didn't know I had SIBO, I didn't know what it was. I was going to all those people hoping for an answer. I did that before. And then I did it during knowing that I had SIBO. So I was educating all these people about it because I still needed to feel better on a daily basis. A lot of it's because of my mold exposure and because of the old Lyme and the old EBV. But what happened was until I met Dr. Seebecker, and until I met all of these SIBO specialists, I didn't really totally get it. Her study, the studies are on her website. You know, I took them to my digestion detective and I was like, here's the protocol. He's like, oh, I've heard of some of this. Okay, okay, I'll get you the script. You know, I had a doctor who was really willing to work with me. And now, poor guy, he gets so many complicated cases of SIBO because I talk about him a lot. But the, um, the thing is, is that everything helped, nothing hurt although there's controversy about uh, colonic therapy, maybe depending on what your underlying causes impacting SIBO. Um, and, you know, I did the herbal, I did all those treatments, by the way, all three. And the key was when I finally did a blood test, there is a blood test for IBS to see if you have IBS from food poisoning. And while there isn't an overly specific specialized treatment, you still will do the treatment the same ways. Knowing my underlying cause, therefore made me religiously committed to taking a prokinetic. I gotta tell you something else, Kelly. Okay, here, I forgot to tell you this underlying cause, opioids. Opioids slow down everything, right? So they also, it also slows down the migrating motor complex. So you can have a dental surgery procedure. They give you pain meds. You only take them a couple of times, right? Fine or more, whatever, they're famous for overprescribing. That doesn't mean you've taken them all, but let's say you did, or you did it for a few, time, a few times. You have food in your small intestine, you've taken those opioids, there could be overgrowth from that. Like a couple of times where your migrating motor complex didn't work, because maybe you have some co-conditions, and then it really slowed down because of the deep anesthesia and or an opioid, and you have just set yourself up for SIBO big time. So if you're having any procedures, if you're going to have deep anesthesia, make sure you ask them for a prokinetic so that when you come out, you get that migrating motor complex back on track and back to, you know, life support. That is huge wisdom, Siobhan. That is huge wisdom because, first of all, we have a ton of kids out there getting their wisdom teeth pulled out. And the first thing the doc does is give them, anti, you know, a 
painkillers. Right. And then, yeah, it slows down their healing process because it slows down their motility. And you're right, like the one meal that doesn't get flushed out of your small intestines and then you get some kind of get gut wrench or car accident or a little push or a little whatever or wrestling with your friend or whatever. Yeah. And now that can cause almost like a pocket inside your gut where that bad food essentially now is rotting and fermenting. And now there's all this overgrowth of bacteria trying to get rid of that, which is outgrowing, but causing a shift in your pH and then in your terrain and in everything. And I, I'm literally shaking my head because I had the car accident. A month later, they wanted my wisdom teeth out because now all of a sudden I have this pain in my teeth. So they put me on pain. I was already on painkillers. Then they put me on high doses of Valium to be on that. Then my father had a stroke. Wait, then he had another stroke. Then he died. Then five months later, my brother decides to get married in England. We all fly over and that's when I had food poisoning. Dear God. And I'd been living on painkillers for all those years and the cyst, the ovarian cyst started a month after the car accident. I'm just sitting there going, this was all because of small intestine bacterial overgrowth, actually from the Vicodin Flexerol after the car accident, that then you had all those stressors when I got some weird food because everybody else ate the same food I did. Like going uh, yeah, back and yeah. thinking about this, like we just brought it up the other day because I was like, what did I get food poisoned from? Because everybody else was eating what I ate. Okay. I've heard that more often than you would ever think. So that's a sign. Like you're sitting there, no one else gets food poisoning. You all have the same thing. Right. That, because people with SIBO who've had food poisoning, right? Once you have food poisoning, once you are more susceptible to it in the future. And by the way, your car accident with the traumatic brain injury of whiplash right. could impact your vagus nerve and that can lead to SIBO. I was scalped. It was more than, it, I was, I was oh. scalped. I mean, it was more than just a little head injury. So oh. yeah, for sure. This is like, I didn't realize any of this. And I want everybody to know she is not a doctor, nor am no I. No way. Yeah. None right. of this is used as medical advice. We are two investigators that are figuring out their own case that are excited when all the bells and whistles start to go off in our body going, oh my God, this makes all the sense. Because for 25 years, I've sat there and gone, we were all in England. We were all at that rehearsal dinner before his wedding. And I'm the only one that almost died from food poisoning. And yeah, I was the one that was coming out of a car accident. I was the one that living on painkillers and muscle relaxers at that time. And it all makes all the sense. And I just had my wisdom teeth out like five months, six months before that. So this all makes sense, right? And this, I know y'all are listening to this going, this is making sense. And what yeah. we're not wanting you to do is run out to your doctor and ask for these prescriptions. Oh my God, I got to get on antibiotics and prokinetics. We're giving this information so you understand it, so you can start to manage it, and you can start to look at what are my other co-infections. Do I have fascial tensions? Do I have emotional stressors? Do you know? Did I have some fascial tension in my body that's per causing that to occur? And who do I need on my team to help me right. unravel this so I can manage my case best? And I know where I need to plug into and I need to go get Siobhan's book, The 21 Day uh, Cure to, to SIBO. Healing yes. SIBO. Healing SIBO in 21 days. I, it's, yeah. I would have a copy of it, y'all, but it's literally on my bedstand next to the other book that we just happened to both be reading when we met each other. Oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. <laughs> so what I would say the first steps is 
to get a SIBO breath test. Like if this is sounding familiar and you're like, as they say, resonating with it, get a SIBO breath test, take it from there. You know, and if you don't have SIBO, but you have all these symptoms we're talking about, bloating, digestive irregularity, inflammation, then check for parasites. By the way, Para Wellness is a uh, organization out of Colorado. They are, in my opinion, the best parasite lab. The gentleman there used to be in the military, parasitologist, and he goes through all of the slides, like looks at your poop a thousand different ways, literally, until he finds something so that he can detect yeast and tons and tons of parasites. He also on his website, parawellnessthink.org, parawellness, find it. Um, they'll, they have pictures of things that look like parasites, like orange pulp and things like that in your poop that aren't parasites. So it's really interesting. I mean, I know they're very, very specific, but if you got this issue, you're gonna eventually go there. I hope you will, because if you just get your stool tested at your typical Quest or um, even LabCorp, any of them whatever if it's positive it's definitely positive for parasites if it's not positive it doesn't mean you don't have parasites because it's just the test isn't that sensitive but if you are positive you definitely have them don't quit there like if your insurance covers that and you're thinking like why not i'll poop into a cup my insurance is going to cover it anyway great but don't stop there if the test is negative and, and no, please, we're, we're not saying that the human body is sterile by any stretch of the imagination. No. I don't want people to get that concept. We are not sterile beings, right? No. We are an ecosystem, an organism that is full of bacteria, virus, fungus, and mold and parasites in non-pathogenic forms. What we are talking about is an outgrowth into a pathogenic form that has caused illness. Because what Sushivan is aware of is that we are more bacteria. That's why she's talking about the microbiome. That's why she yeah. did SIBO on the microbiome. And she's learning with the biological dentistry that the mouth has a whole microbiome in and of itself because her head is oh my gosh. direction yeah. for those who haven't can't see her. Because we all know that we don't want to kill the bacteria on our skin. And if we need antibiotics, we use them in a short amount of time, not long-term, because that long-term use of antibiotics can cause a whole slew of other issues. And that's an underlying cause of SIBO is a long-term use long -term of antibiotics. Long-term use of antibiotics. Yes. Thank you. So don't take today's podcast as the end-all be-all. Take today's no. podcast as the beginning that's right. of investigations and as the beginning of, oh, these are other roads that I need to go down. And look, here's two brilliant women patting ourselves on the back that we're brilliant women, that we're intelligent women that know how to investigate, that are both persistent as hell, that had a fire inside each one of us. Now let's talk about why. Why did you have a fire inside of you? What was your dad's health history that maybe caused you to want to look at health a little differently? My father's oh, Indian. I'm sorry, your mom. It was your mom. No, that's okay. My father's Indian, right? So I was born right. when he was 69 years old. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I can't even believe it myself. So, so that, let's talk about my dad for a second. Sajan Singh Sarna, he's Indian. He was born in the late 1800s. That's right. I said it. Uh, he was um, the father. He was the father to my eight and nine year old older sisters. Um, same mom. And I was born when he was almost 70. Happy anniversary. I'm a surprise. <laughs> so, hey man, good for you. Good on you guys. So my mom was 30 years his junior. She was Irish and Welsh from upstate New York. He's from India. They met in New York City. It's a long story. It's a beautiful thing. One day we'll have a musical about it because it's so magical. But um, what happened was mom got lymphoma. 
And that's why I ended up doing the Lymphatic Rescue Summit is because I, I don't think it's a, talk, a system that's talked enough about. And because um, it's, well, it's ignored. It's a system that's ignored, let's face it. Let's call it what it is. And I wanted people to learn more about it because there's so many things you can do yourself as well as um, if you have a serious illness, you absolutely need to be paying attention to it and pulling it into your, your, your being and, and your protocol. Yeah. Yeah. So mom had lymphoma. Dad died at 82 from heart attack and uh, brain aneurysm. But, you know, he was ripe at 82. It was time. He actually had a heart attack right after I was born. And then he died when I was 13. And I feel like I made a deal with him, like in the astral world, like, hey, man, you can't leave. I just got here. At least stay until like, you know, one would be bat mitzvah. I'm not Jewish, but you get the idea. Hang out as long as you can, man. I feel like you did. Yeah. And, and I feel like the same way. And this is another thing that we have in common. So, and, and I think it's just fun for people to understand that, listen, you got to enjoy the journey because along your yeah. journey, there's going to be beautiful, beautiful pearls like Siobhan. Like I, I did not know this one. I can't remember not knowing her and we've only known each other for a few months. And it's beautiful things like that that your journey can lead you to. And her beautiful story of understanding how her body works and all the people she's been able to help in another space. Like she doesn't come from the health space. I'll say that again. And that's so exciting to me because she's taking this information out to people ideally preventatively before they need it. And that's the goal, right? That's what we're all trying to do in the health space is like, hurry up and share this with everybody you know, because you guys are all so chronically ill and we're happy that you're here, but freaking go tell the people that aren't chronically ill so that, that we can prevent them from needing this information. Right. We all need it. We all need it. But, and let's take it proactively so we don't have to be persistent. So we don't have to be so driven to find the root cause of my illness because I don't want to manage my illness the rest of my life. Yet continue to educate people because that's what this is all about. Like she had to do a lot of her own self in self-education as have I, which is why we've made it so, why we're so giving of our time and willing to ask our colleagues and our mentors of their time to give to you because we know how much this can cut out of your learning curve. Right. You know, when you get to the end, it's glory. It is glorious. It is relief. It's odd to be relieved about a diagnosis, but anyone who has a chronic condition knows that relief when they finally find out what it is. I dedicated the book to anyone who's had a medical mystery because that unknowing, I mean, I used to talk to God in the universe, like, look, I want you to know what it is. Why don't you just show me? Why don't you just tell me? You just reveal it. Come on. And, you know, eventually that did happen. But, you know, I also didn't make a deal, but I did mention that if I could figure it out, I would make sure that I shared it with the world. Like that was a, like a badge of honor I was going to do is I was going to make sure I didn't waste this. And I wanted to make sure other people didn't go through what I went through, which is why I wrote the book, which is why I've done all the summits, why I have a course called SIBO Recovery Roadmap, uh, why I've done masterclass summits, and then even a next steps for treating tough SIBO, which after the antibiotics have not worked for you, maybe they have, but if they haven't, brain reprogramming, frequency specific microcurrent, all kinds of other alternatives. Uh, believe it or not, a study of hypnosis with a thousand people five years later, they're still doing great. So there's other things that if the traditional treatments I talked about don't work, you could get into as well.
And people can still access your summits, even though they were past summits, correct? Right. I would say the best thing to do is to come to SIBOSOS.com, click on the, the resources, and you'll see the classes. They're master classes, which I think are a little bit faster to get you there. So I go with the, um, the uh, it's basically first steps in creating SIBO masterclass. You can also email us at info at SIBOSOS.com. Tell us what your situation is and we can guide you to the right courses and, and resources. But the book, I got to tell you, for 20 bucks, I'm astonished at how much I packed in there, plus over 40 recipes. Yeah. And what, what, I mean, if you're going to spend money on like a supplement hoping it works for 50 bucks, buy medicine, medicine be thy food first and foremost. Because supplements, they're supposed to supplement your diet until your nutrition takes over. Exactly. Well, you should need supplements outside of minerals. So, yes. Well, what you're amazing as always. I mean, I, I know we have, to, we have to shut this off, but it's been an absolute joy to get you to tell your story to everybody and get them to really understand that there is hope out there and that there is. It, even if you haven't figured out your case yet, there is hope. Get her book, do some investigations. Again, this is not medical treatment or medical advice. We're just pointing you in the right direction. If this resonates with you today, we do ask you to share this. Please make this available to your friends and family and colleagues that might be suffering, that might be dealing with some of this, that can maybe help them understand their medical mystery. And we appreciate all your attention today and all your continued support of The Beats. And we thank you so much. We'll see you next time on The Beats. Thank you so much, Siobhan. Thank you. Thank you.